0: Hello and welcome to episode 52 of When Life Gives Your Lemons Go Vegan. That is a whole year's worth of whole food, plant-based, amazing stories of recovery with amazing guests doctors experts nutritionists everyone thank you everyone who has been on the show for this whole year of episodes I my heart explodes when I think about that there is 52 episodes of this podcast out there for everyone who is living with chronic disease or who's struggling alone or who is you know just suffering now they can listen to these stories and think wow if these people can do it maybe I can too which is you know I, this isn't a prescription, I can't promise you that doing this exact things that my guests do will work for you, but they definitely will give you a red hot go at feeling a lot, a lot better. So this week on the show, I was really excited to have Kim Petrovsky. Kim is going to be doing a very, very deep dive with us talking about her battle with menopause and psoriasis but mostly with menopause now people kim was living with 40 years of psoriasis so psoriasis all over her whole body from when she was 8 years old and so i don't know if anyone who has lived with psoriasis or a skin dermatitis those types of things condition it can be debilitating it can be you know you know the itching the scratching the scabs the sores the Everything. Psoriasis is a big deal, even if, you know, it's, you know, it's a big deal. And so I'm very excited to have her talking about her experience with psoriasis and experience with psoriasis after adopting a whole food plant-based diet. But mostly in this episode, she's going to be talking about menopause. And I think for many women who are listening, this is a topic that's often shrouded in taboo. It's I do swear in this episode. So warning and trigger warning for those who've been affected by suicide because she does talk about um, suicidal thoughts and feelings that she experienced during her struggles with menopause it's 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 a really important topic to discuss and i think that so many women go through this alone thinking that it's you know, something to be sucked up and to just soldier on through and the treatments you know they're just not ideal and and no one really wants to have you know these types of treatments for, you know, especially for a lengthy period of time that are available at the moment. And and Kim will talk a lot about them too. I just think this is a, a an important topic and I was so grateful to have her on the show to talk about her experience and then to talk about what she experienced when she made the switch to a vegan diet, which is amazing for anyone who's listening who is struggling with the um, effects of menopause. So I really hope that you all listen to the end when things turn dramatically around. (laughs) Like any good story, it's, it's a struggle at the start but then we get to the end when things turn drastically around for Kim and, you know, it's just so wonderful to hear. So thank you so much Kim for coming on the show and thank you all so much for listening. And please if you have anyone, if you know any women who are going to get to menopause and who aren't yet vegan, share this episode on your social media. Share, that, share it with your family and friends. Tell them to listen to it, subscribe to the podcast and listen to it because you might you might just as Kim says, so women who are living going through menopause, they we, they do They do feel very, very alone at times and it can lead to them not being okay at all. So the possibility that it's Kim's story could help people to feel a lot better and potentially save a life is, you know, is worthwhile sharing. <laughs> it's worthwhile sharing if, if you can prevent anyone from going through what Kim went through or what many, many, many other women go through. So thank you again for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode hello kim and welcome to the show hi corinne thanks for having me you're so welcome you are episode 52 as you know a whole year's worth of 52 weeks of amazing whole food plant-based recovery stories so thank you so much for being my one year anniversary guest
1: Fantastic. Woo! I'm, so I'm, yeah, I'm
0: so glad you're here too. So Kim, I really want you just to start at the start. Now your story I think is so relevant to so many as a woman to so many women, but it's not it's not if you're listening and you're a man, it isn't just for women. It's got it's got everything. So I think it's such a great story for people who are who and we all are going to experience a time when our periods finish up and we begin menopause. So I am so excited because I know so many women who have struggled so hard with menopause. So I'm so excited for you to share your story.
1: Well, I'm very uh, appreciative that you've given me this platform to share my story because when I first started, well, when I got first slammed down by menopause, Um, just over 18 months ago um, took me several months to get a handle on it and um, I just tried to talk to as many people as I could um, to see if I could find a way through and um, there's not a lot of information out there No, 2017 at that stage and I, I was really running around saying, I'm shocked. It's 2017. Why don't people know? We, I felt like we were still in the dark ages in terms of information, even from women who were post-menopausal who just sucked it up and lived through it, luckily. You know, so I was really gobsmacked that um, the medical profession um, and even alternative medicines, um, I didn't. I didn't get any real help actually. So, I'll, I'll tell you how it started. Yes, please <laughs> tell me. Tell us. Well, so. You know, I'd had – it started with problems with my periods and missing periods and then having periods that went for 10 days and then, you know, three-month gap and then I'd have one day. So I went to my GP, wanted to know what was going on. Um, she sent me off to get to the Women's Health um, to check me out and um, I don't have kids so – I It was pretty um, emotional sitting in this waiting room with beautiful photographs of everybody's babies and me sitting there at age 48, just about to turn 49, and, you know, again it was another poke in the eye that I missed the boat about having children. And then when um, I got my results of my scan that my, quote, ovaries were shriveling <laughs> you know I walked out of there and I, I was a little bit teary when I walked away because you know I knew at 48 that it was too late to have children even though I was very fit and healthy um that was just the con you know confirmation for me that you know it was it was all over as far as that was concerned um so I went back to the doctor and and she said, oh, yes, you're perimenopausal, so that's the reason for your periods. <laughs> she's, she's foreign. I think she's Iranian, my doctor. And so ignorantly I thought that she meant I was premenopausal when she said perimenopausal. I'd never heard the term perimenopausal before, so I thought I was premenopause. Um, that was all the information I got at that stage. Nobody um the people at Women's Imaging, having given me my results, my doctor having confirmed the results, nobody said, okay, menopause is just around the corner, so these are the things to expect. So – Life went on and um, it was January last year, so 2017, I went to New Zealand for three weeks. I was meeting a girlfriend from England and we'd planned a three-week journey around both islands, which is silly, so that's the take-home lesson today. Do one island in three weeks, not two. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And all of a sudden, I just went, you know, it started to occur a couple of weeks before I got on the plane, but... What initially happened was my sleep just became totally disrupted, hot flushes five, six times a night. And I just thought it was because I was anxious leading up to my holiday, um, you know, putting my pets in in the kennels and making sure everything was ready to go on my holiday. I thought I was just anxious about that. And so waking up feeling hot and bothered and feeling anxious, I thought that's just just me um but when I got to New Zealand my sleep was just so disrupted I was averaging about three or four hours a night and I was doing all the driving. And I don't know if anybody else has driven through New Zealand but I had supposed that we'd be able to cover between two and three hundred K's each day which you can easily do in Australia no problem but the roads in New Zealand are up and down and side to side and with all the rains and earthquakes and things like that there was a lot of disruption so sometimes I was driving for five hours or six hours a day and then not sleeping so the first casualty of my menopause symptoms was having a big blowout with my girlfriend and us separating about four days into our trip so that that was that um so I went on by myself with the car and um I had some pretty treacherous, treacherous trips actually, and I thought I was going to die, um, because along with the this, this sleep deprivation and the hot sweats, which were more increasingly accompanied by what I can only describe as anxiety attacks. People say hot. Flushes or hot flashes, and I think it's quite a patronising term. And I believe that some women do just have a, a quick little flash of heat, and it's over. But for me, they were almost like people describe as panic attacks, um, not being able to breathe properly, and it's, it's heating up from the inside. So, you know, you're asleep one minute, and the next minute you wake up, and it's like the inside of you is is like an oven. And you've got the anxiety, and you just want to rip your skin off. You know, it's not just a matter of throwing the bed sheets away. You want to rip your skin off and get this heat and anxiety out. So, so that was during the nighttime, and then during the day, I felt like I was was on fast forward. I couldn't really um, concentrate on one thought at a time or one experience at a time. And um, oh, I really was just constantly concentrating on driving carefully because I thought if I keep going, which I had to keep going, it was silly, but I had to make it back to Auckland for my flight um, and I had thousands of kilometres to get from south of the South Island back to the north of the North Island, so I really didn't have a day to lose. Um but yeah, so I managed to survive New Zealand. But when I got back home, I um, I went straight to the doctor and I said that was uh, it was a fantastic holiday. New Zealand's beautiful. Kiwis are fantastic. I met up with some old friends and it was great. No, all through all of this journey, nobody noticed that there was anything wrong with me or there was anything different about me. Nobody noticed. So, um, so that was probably a plus, but um, went straight to the doctor and I told her everything that um, I had experienced. Her suggestion to me was to go off and see a psychiatrist. So I said, well, that's pointless because I'm not into taking drugs and I just will not take drugs. So, you know, I'm not going. And uh, she said, well, I don't know what else to do. And I said, well, if, if you make me, I'll go and see a psychologist, but I won't be seeing a psychiatrist. Um, And so she said, Great, let's, you know, I'll team you up with a good psychologist and we'll get to the bottom of this. The psychologist couldn't see me for, so by this time it was the end of February. She couldn't see me till the middle of April. So I spoke to her on the phone. And I said, look, I've been putting a bit of thought into this and do you think a hypnotherapist would be handy in the meantime? And she said, that's a great idea. We've got a fantastic one here down in Hobart, Dr. Harry Stanton, and he's a really lovely man. So I had, I think, six appointments on my mental health care plan, first time I've ever had one of those. Um, But it was free, so that's great. So I booked in a couple of sessions with Harry before seeing um, the psychologist in April, and that was really lovely. Um, One of the first people really to listen to me and um, took me through some fantastic relaxations, and that was great. I felt great for about three days, but then all my symptoms came back full on after that. So that was really just a temporary solution for me. So in the lead up to uh, April, I was still being very frantic and um, very, very. you know, I was really running on empty. Uh, um, My sleep had not improved at all, even though I had by this time clicked to the fact that perimenopausal symptoms are a thing and read up on those. Dr. Googled. Um, and got every book I could get my hands on and did everything, everything that anybody suggested, um, which was I, I filled my bedroom with plants, I left the window open, I did relaxation exercises, I took up yoga, I improved my health, my nutrition. I'd been a vegetarian for a good part of 30 years with stages of veganism and pescatarianism, you know, vegetarianism for me was just a a food no man's land didn't really benefit me significantly although I'm really happy to say I haven't eaten animal flesh for 30 years now um but so I, I just chucked down a whole heap more vegetables and fruit um I, I could not up my exercise anymore. I was going to the gym a couple of times a week. I was going to a different health club to do Pilates, um, RPM, uh, stationary bike exercises, um, core strength classes. I was doing at least a, five classes a week plus wow. going to the gym, plus walking my dog a couple of times a day. Um, I, there, there wasn't much more I could do. Yeah, you couldn't fit it in. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't have the time, but I I actually did have the time because my sleep was so bad I was often up at 5am and gardening at half past 5 because I couldn't stand to be in my bed any longer. So I'd get up at 5 or quarter past 5 and by 10 to 6 I was exhausted. (laughs) I spent my entire day exhausted. Middle of March I quit my job. Um, I had a bit of a boyfriend at the time. I broke up with him not long after that. You know, I was just trying to rid myself of anything that was causing any sort of stress and um, doing everything that all of the sites about menopause told me to do while waiting to see the psychologist. Um, The top suggestion on one of the bigger sites was for hot flushes, carry around a paper fan with you around in public. So you know, I, I'd get onto these sites and I would feel patronised. And um, just a tip for anyone who is still dealing with hot flushes is the best thing that worked for me was a, a tip that I learned at yoga, which was to is to purse your your lips into a funnel and deep breathe through your lips. <sighs> Suck as much cool air as you can into your lungs. Mm. Yeah, like, imagine if you're pulling on a straw mm. or even like fashioning a little straw and sucking on that in public would be le- less embarrassing than fanning yourself with a uh, <laughs> electric <laughs> fan or a paper fan, which is just, you know, it's just a Band-Aid. It's, it's not uh, attacking the problem. Mm. So So waiting to see the psychologist... And I thought she was going to fix my problems, but I was really just speaking to any middle-aged woman I could spot and grabbing her and saying, have you been through menopause and can you give me any tips and what was it like? Um, And I found women to be, look, they turned at me in shock and told me their stories and it was like I was the first person that ever listened to their story. So more often than not, it was just a... Um, a litany of horror stories coming from these women, Um, I didn't get any tips except HRT, HRT, HRT. And, um, you know, I had women that were standing in front of me, strangers or, you know, women from Zumba or gym um, tear up because, you know, they reflected on five years of profound depression, um, divorce, um, nobody understanding, not getting any sleep, thinking they were going crazy, becoming suicidal, um, just awful, awful nightmare stories from nearly every one of them. Um, one woman sent me to the um, women's health centre here and said that there was a great uh, woman who specialised in menopause. When I rang to make an appointment, I was told she was on long service leave and wouldn't be back for five months. So that was the only specialist in southern Tasmania. (laughs) Um, So then I found a GP who apparently specialised, a different GP who specialised in menopause symptoms. I made a double appointment. She told me at the end of the appointment that, or midway through, that she didn't need to go through the menopause checklist with me, that from what I said, I had severe symptoms. So... So it wasn't just in my head. These were actual, you know, it was really ruining my life, I felt, and she confirmed that, you know, she didn't even need to ask me any more questions, severe symptoms, HRT. So she said, I want you to go away and research it, which was a good tip, and come back to me in two weeks for another double appointment and we'll sort you out. So I did do a bit of research on HRT and discovered that the um, the most common drug prescribed today is a drug called Premarin, and it gets its name from the source of the hormones, which is pregnant mares' urine, Premarin, and um, a little bit more searching. Oh, I had no idea about this, but they there's massive horse studs all over, mainly America, but all over the world, massive studs that have, keep hundreds and hundreds and thousands of mares pregnant all the time. Give them very minimal water to drink so that their urine is concentrated and extract the uh, hormones from that. Oh gosh! Did you not know that? Uh, I, I I
0: did. Only thing I knew was that. H C. like My husband went on before he-, before he was vegan. He only went vegan this year, but he went on this radical diet years ago. And after he gained a lot of weight, he went to a naturopath and she put him on this really low-cal, no-carb diet. And it included this li- liquid, I think, called HCG. And I Googled that and that was pregnant mare's urine. And I couldn't believe it. And I said, "You are des—you've reached an all-time desperate low. That you're on five five hundred calories a day, drinking pregnant mare's urine to."
1: Oh,
0: (laughs) you know, come on. Sorry, Rangi, I know, but he didn't. No, your naturopath tells you, and you think, "Okay, I want some support with weight loss. I'll trust this woman. She knows. She's saying it's all the rage. It's so good, and we trust these professionals." All yeah. the time,
1: and they very well may work, and they oh, do
0: work. She did; and he they- did lose weight, rapid weight. It was yeah. just disgusting to watch because he was starving <laughs> <laughs> and drinking pee. But <laughs> he did lose weight.
1: Yeah, yeah. he gained yeah. it all
0: back, most of it back, but he did lose that's
1: it. Exactly, and and you know you do listen, you do listen to professionals, and that's that was my first mistake. I mean, look, n- <laughs> not that it's a mistake; it can be really good. <laughs> However, I do think that um, we're conditioned to be subservient to people with a degree, and and often that's not. There's a lot of money involved, a lot of a lot of kickbacks. I think, and I was still at that stage where I was listening to people that you know had a stethoscope. Um, yeah, so it was. So when I found that out, <laughs> I rang my mum and told her. And uh, she was still on Premarin, 82 years of age. She'd been on it for 42 years. You're not supposed to be on it that long, you know, because the doctor was just too lazy to go back and see what he was prescribing her. And um, so she went off it straight away and her doctor said, oh, are you still on that? Yeah, get off that. Oh, my God,
0: 40 years of HRT?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh,
1: Jeez. So she was horrified to learn that it was pregnant men's urine and it just really, really uh, shocked me that, that that's where it came from. So I think that was the beginning of my transition from vegetarian to vegan um, because I was just disgusted that that's the way that, you know, I, I could have gone. So my second appointment with the um, GP Specialising in menopause, she couldn't give me an alternative. I said, "Look, okay, so give me the script, and I'll just do a little bit more research." So luckily, she gave me a stri- script for um, some HRT, which was no longer available in Australia. <laughs> so I couldn't get it if I even if I wanted to. So that was, you know, yet another fifty bucks or sixty bucks down down the drain um so i I think about this time i started acupuncture i thought okay i'll try acupuncture and um very nice acupuncturist and i still use him for other things but when i told him some of my symptoms um he his first reaction was quote menopause gets blamed for a lot of things unquote so i was feeling pretty patronized at this stage Um, You know, this had been a three-month journey, and uh, the only professional who really gave me any help was the psychologist who stopped our appointment after half an hour and said, this is pointless, Kim. (laughs) I'm not going to be charging you for this. There is nothing wrong with your mental health. You have menopause. So that was that. So I sort of felt like I was on my own and um, what to do next. The next few months are a bit of a haze. I told you that I'd quit my job trying to get rid of all of the stress in my life and I was doing a really good job of it, (laughs) people and employment. Um, So that was all right because I went into private private practice, I work, i um, a support worker for intellectually dis- disabled people, young people here in Tassie and um, I'd, I'd taken on a few private clients and that really took off. So that was actually a real positive in my life was um, quitting paid employment. But the next few months were quite a bit of a haze. Um, I was still talking to a lot of people and not really getting a lot of advice that I could really use um but interestingly the two most helpful people was my uncle who told me about he he asked I was being a bit of a nutter and when people would ask me how are you I'd say not good actually menopause is slamming me into the ground and not a lot of people want to chat after that (laughs) a couple of people did and so my uncle stayed on the phone with me for a good hour and told me all about his wife's experiences and he recommended HRT he said it's, it's best for her and whenever she's come off it she wears these patches whenever she comes off it her moods just take a dive a nose dive so she actually directs her doctor to continue prescribing these patches for her So I don't know if you've seen them, I haven't actually, but he described that they're probably about two and a half inches.
0: I think my mum wore them.
1: Right, and you stick them on your abdomen, around your abdomen, and you leave them on for a week at a time or perhaps two weeks depending on what hormones are in the patches. So you get all gunky sticky all around the patches. That's not a sexy look. No, (laughs) no. So for that reason alone, I was, you know, Mm. not doing pictures at all, but just interesting that um, he was a woman who had had support from her husband and I think that that's a really important thing. Um, Another man that helped was a new relationship that I had started. It was a really nice man that that didn't last, but um, he was very supportive. So that really helped. And I also went to see a life coach, a spiritual life coach. I mean, I was really... Trying everything. Trying everything. (laughs) So he listened to me and he said, fantastic that I'd written it all down and what I had experienced was a classic textbook rebirth. (laughs) So I had rebirthed um, during my menopause travels I don't know. I think it was just menopause, but uh, <laughs> but he had supported two wives. Um, he was a widower, uh, divorced the first time, and then became a widower the second time. A lovely man, and he had support two wi- supported two wives through menopause. So I think that um, you know it was the men that were saying that they were supporting their wives. But you know, great and. Uh, I think that's a very important thing is support from your family is a really important thing, to know what you're going through and to to just listen to you and know that when you're acting manic that it's hormones, it's your hormones that are doing it. It's not a mental issue. It's a, a physical issue, hormonal issue. So you a vegan at this stage or have no, you I'm gone? I was vegetarian. Oh, okay, okay. Vegetarian. cool. cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd seen the psychologist in April and it wasn't until February 2018 that I had the biggest change of life in my life. Yeah. (laughs) So I had struggled. It's all a bit hazy but I was really um, a little bit manic and, like I said, going on fast forward, I was trying to eat as well as I could Um, but I wasn't really that hungry, so I wasn't eating very well. I was exercising a lot, drinking a lot of water, doing my yoga and my deep breathing and not sleeping at all. And my doctor had given me some sleeping tablets too, so I was taking probably two a week just, you know, just to get a few extra hours sleep. I'd also like to say at this stage that another health issue that I was battling with was my psoriasis. i would had psoriasis from head to toe since age eight. I'd been given penicillin for a throat infection when I was eight and woke up the next day covered from head to toe in psoriasis. So I had been doing the rounds of doctors and specialists my entire life and I've done a lot of travelling, overseas travelling, so I had... um, been to St Thomas's Hospital in London. Um, I started with the Children's Hospital in Melbourne, going very frequently there. I'd been to doctors in Thailand. I went to an Ayurvedic doctor in India, um, and all that really seemed to work for me was sunlight. So I was really getting out in the sun at every opportunity, and um, and using um, steroid creams for the really bad areas, which seemed to be along where my bones and my skin were quite close. So my spine, my shins, my elbows and my scalp were the areas that never cleared up, no matter how much sun I got, that very rarely cleared up. But that wasn't such a pain for me. Um, a lot of people have it much worse. I don't suffer with itchiness and pain and bleeding. I put moisturiser on every single day. Um, they say you know put moisturiser on within three minutes of getting out of the shower while your pores are still open, and I religiously did that, so I've got beautiful soft skin. Um, but the psoriasis never really improved, and unless I uh, was um, had a lot of time off during summer and co- could go to the beach every day, so salt water and sun worked for me. So um, another trip to the doctor where I said, look, I think it's about time I went and saw another skin specialist because this is getting quite annoying that I'm just not getting anywhere with it. And, you know, it's been a few years since I'd seen a specialist and maybe there was some new treatment. So I went along and he uh, set me up with some ultraviolet light treatment because – at the time, Tasmania had banned the use of solariums. So I was self-medicating by going to a solarium um, once a month. So 10 minutes once a month was, you know, making it really manageable for me. Um, but they banned the use overnight and uh, my psoriasis just went worse and I began to get it on the soles of my feet, which oh. I'd never, ever, ever had it there before, like one huge big scab on, on each foot and that was painful. And so the, the specialist said, yes, I could do some light treatment. So I did that and it cleared up really well, but then it was back within a month. So I went back to him and the only other thing he would offer me, he wouldn't offer me continued light treatment under supervision, no, wouldn't do that, was to prescribe me methotrexate. So that's a cancer drug. Uh, I did, did a little bit of research on that, and apparently there's this number. I have forgotten what it's called, but it indicates the number of people that have to use a drug in order for it to help one person. And it, the, it's shortened to PPL or something like that, and it means people per usage. I don't know. The, it indicates the number of people that have got to use it before somebody goes, yay, it's working for me. So every drug has this number attached to it and the number for methotrexate for psoriasis is 500 (laughs) so 500 people have got to use it before one person sees some results so i also watched a a forum that uh, was recorded in hawaii where a skin specialist was saying to his room full of skin specialists why do we keep prescribing methotrexate when we know that it doesn't work so And plus the side effects to that were increased headaches and I'd had problems with migraines all my life, but I'd been taking vitamin B2 along with the multivitamin and that reduced my migraines from one a week to two a year. So if anyone wants to try that, that that was really successful for me. So I went back to my doctor and said, look, I'm not going to take this methotrexate because of the reasons I just said. And she said, Oh, he's only prescribed you a low dose, I recommend that you take it. I'm not gonna take it because I know I'm gonna get headaches and I'm just I, I had managed for 40 years without taking drugs for psoriasis. I will just continue to do what I'm doing. And so what I did was I bought a huge big ultraviolet panel from the mainland and I set that up in my bedroom. So I had my own solarium in my bedroom which was unsupervised and untimed and I wrote to the health department and I said, you know, um, I, I know that you've made this decision because... Of the people who have really abused using solariums, but you've forgotten about all of the people who are self-medicating for a whole lot of different reasons, and who need that extra sunlight. Mm, people
0: with multiple sclerosis use it. Well, not now, but I mean, I when I first got it, they George, Doctor George Jelinek, he was prescribing, like ten minutes, one not, not even ten minutes, very little, like five minutes once a. A week or something, just saying, you know, just to get your vitamin D. It was a small amount every now and again, like just to keep. If in the cold or in the winter months, just to keep your vitamin D levels up naturally. And now, and now, no one can
1: do it. Yeah, exactly. So it, that was great. That was great for me. It cost me a couple of thousand. It's huge, huge, big door-sized <laughs> panel in my bedroom. But that was the only thing that was working for me. So I had to do that. I think at th- this stage I'd started to really lose respect for the medical profession. I'm sorry to say, I hope I don't offend anybody, but if I had followed my doctor's advice, I would now be on methotrexate, HRT, and probably be on any drugs that, that the psychiatrist she wanted me to see felt like putting me on. Um and I might have helped my psoriasis and my menopause, but I would imagine that taking so many serious drugs would have affected my body and my life in other negative ways. So I feel in myself that I would have been a bit of a um, a bit of a mess. Um, I'm not on any drugs at the moment, so I prefer that. I feel great. So fast-forwarding to February 2018, I was a bit feeling a little bit down. Um, during that year of being having severe menopausal symptoms, I'll, I'll run through a few that I had been having apart from the hot flushes and the sleep disturbances. Um Yeah, another doctor wanted to put me on some melatonin because she said I had a sleep disorder. It was all menopause. All of it was menopause. And the average age for an Australian woman to start with menopausal symptoms is 48, and I was 48. So I really still can't believe that nobody said, you're menopausal. (laughs) Anyway, so um, I had moments of being feeling quite suicidal, to be honest, I it's easy to say in hindsight I felt suicidal. I never would have, you know, I was not close, not even close. Um, but I had visions of, you know, driving to the, um, the bridge that crosses the Derwent River. What's the name of that bridge? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the Bowen Bridge, but that's the Bridge of Choice. Um, You know, driving over there in the middle of the night and just jumping off it. I I felt that my life was going down the drain very, very fast and there was nothing I could do to stop it. I couldn't have possibly done any more to be fit and healthy. Um, I, I just felt like everything that I did was a complete waste of time. There was no joy in anything because I had this constant fast forward going on I couldn't complete a thought let alone a task I was doing my job very very well because I was just on you know um I was just so used to doing it and 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 like I said people didn't notice a change in me so you know I managed to carry on um but I I wasn't living a satisfying life I, I wasn't enjoying bed at all. Bed is the most comfortable place in my universe. I've got a fantastic bed and I love sleep, but I felt like I was a cardboard cutout lying down on a concrete slab. It was just not comfortable at any, any stage. Um, mood swings. I was going from just being being happy to bursting into tears and at the drop of a hat. Um I was questioning everything. I I wasn't getting any help. And I'm sorry to say that, you know, I've forgiven my family, but I actually rang three members of my family to tell them specifically, I'm not coping. Just in those words, I'm not coping. And three months later I rang them and said, three months ago I rang you and told you I wasn't coping and not one of you have asked me how I am. So this Are You OK? Day that we have in Australia is for people like you. <laughs> you need to be reminded to ask, even if you don't see significant changes in people, just, to you know, I don't know, but um, if somebody had have asked me are you OK, I might have, I don't know if it would have helped because I knew I wasn't OK and I would have said no, but, I, again, I don't know whether a conversation really would have helped that much. You know, just made me feel on the few occasions I had one that I was being supported by those few people. But, you know, I did have moments of um, feeling like I just wanted to end it. But then I read about a beautiful woman from New South Wales who had committed suicide. She was a social media um, personality. She was in her late 40s, and it wasn't until her friends and family went through her Facebook account that they saw that she had been complaining about menopausal symptoms. So I knew that women today are still killing themselves over this, and it's a serious thing. It's not to be scoffed at, and I think the medical profession do need to know that sometimes they can be patronising. And, and I brought this up with my doctor. I said I, I, I didn't feel that I was being supported. And she said, but Kim, and Kim, women aren't telling us. And I said, but I told you, you know, so they're not listening. They're actually not listening. And I think a lot of women aren't coming forward and, and talking about it. I had set up through meetups, a meetup called Not So Secret Women's Business. I wanted to gather women to say, let's talk about this. You need to tell your family that this is what you're going through. They just think that you're being silly mum or mum's lost it, or grandma's lost it. You need to tell them what's going on. You need to tell your doctors. This isn't something that you have to battle through. It's not, you know, it might be a process of ageing, but it's not something that you have to endure. You know, we've got to get to the bottom of this and and take the lid off it and say, look, this is, it, pe- women are still committing suicide. Women are feeling completely depressed and... Um, you know, let's talk about it.
0: I'm so glad that you're talking about it today. Thank you.
1: Oh, well, thank you for listening. I hope that I hope that I can help somebody. I hope I can. I hope it's not just me.
0: I don't think it is. I'm, you're making me think about my own mum. And, of course, I was a teenager and I couldn't have given less shits about my mum's menopause because I was so busy being self-absorbed about boys
1: and <laughs> my own friends. And well, you now- look up through it as well I mean this is a hormonal transition so it's Mm. it's teenagers pregnant women and menopausal women that's when it strikes so
0: I was in in the depths of my own adolescence going through my own hormonal stuff and and now I'm thinking back about my mum, you know I remember I remember bits and it it's hard because as you say no one talks about it and it is a it is shrouded in shame because you feel like you're you're no longer this, we, are, we, are, we, are, we only value women really when they're sexually at their, you know, most you know, attractive tw- in their early, late teens through till when they're probably, let's say 30, really. We only get a small window.
1: <laughs> you can say 30. It's
0: yeah. really just about your 20s that we're hot, attractive, and I'm going to say a swear word, fuckable
1: yeah that is a swear word,
0: <laughs> but I mean that's honestly what we what we can we kind of comes it to encapsulate when we're of value in society in the media mainstream media and you know the models the magazines the images, and even the actresses will say once you hit thirty you know, between thirty and let's i'll I'll stretch it to forty, but really it yeah, being generous. But that that is a stretch.
1: You have to be a stunner at forty, and then they make a huge deal about it. Did you are know? a
0: stunner at forty, exactly. <laughs> and so, no one wants to talk about. Oh yeah, by the way, not only am I no longer attractive, I'm not breeding. I'm not, you know, attractive to men. No one's looking at me at all. I'm. I'm now. My uterus is telling me that I'm no longer basically a worthwhile member of society. I've got no. I've got no. I've got nothing to offer because there's nothing happening in my womb from now on. So no one wants to speak of it. And I, of course they don't. Nowhere in society are we told it's okay to age as a woman. We're not told that. And so I can see why women do feel suicidal. We do feel overwhelmed and... And and, and the, because we're dealing with the symptoms, not sleeping, as you say, is just ta- it's torture. It's a form of torture. You're being tortured from the inside out. You're getting hot. You're being tortured. You're emo- you can't, your emotions are running the show and you're, as you say, manic and all those things. And I think that women who are listening, most people don't talk about it because it is a taboo topic, unfortunately, like most of our taboo topics, which actually unfortunately when, when we create any taboos they always end up screwing us like why do we have taboos around sex when we have a rape culture that's saying that we need to have more of a, a bigger conversation about sex and sexuality we, we don't have a rape culture we have a suicide culture because teenage boys don't know how to express themselves properly and you know we have there's so, so many different factors that come when we we suppress violence, talk, talking about anger and violence, talking about the ten, sexual tendencies we have, talking about menopause, talking about so many different things that happen to us, disease, you know, we have all these taboos and I think that most of the taboos that we have are the undoing of us rather than keeping us safe. Does that make sense?
1: It makes total sense and you are absolutely right and... What an absolute shame that we live in a society where the result of that is suicide, you know, and violence. And violence. Uh, it's horrible. It's, it's horrible. horrible. It's
0: horrible, which is why it's so important that you do share this story, I think, because so many women are out there. You know, I'm 39 this year, and a couple of years ago, my mums. last year my mum said, I think you might be perimen- perimenopausal because <laughs> I had a few symptoms and my sp- period hadn't come back since my son and I was angry and <laughs> sad and whatever. And she says, I think this is what you have. And I was thinking, I don't know. But it, it did raise it for the first. I'd never heard perimenopausal before. And it can yeah, start at yeah. 38. And I never yeah, knew that.
1: Yeah, yeah it can, can. I never knew that. So yeah. I think
0: it's great that you're opening up about something that is shrouded in secrecy because people are dealing with my dad he's got cancer and he's having radiation therapy for his cancer and for the first time in his life he's having hot flushes And he said, when Wendy, my mum was going through it, he was just like, oh, well, you know, like you're saying, patronizing, ah, hot flashes, ha, 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 poor you, you know, you're a bit hot, good for you, whatever. And now he's dying from these heat, you know, he has to go outside and he's stripping off his clothes and saying, this is horrible. It's horrible. I'm so sorry that you did this by yourself and that I wasn't sympathetic because he just had no idea that it, how it felt until it happened to him and now he's saying oh my gosh it's absolutely wrecks every day because i'm having this every you know 20 minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes i'm having these hot flushes it's just
1: no one understands it well i think that it's very hard to imagine how it would feel to be cooked from the inside but in this you experience it. it's like being in a microwave it's it's really it is torture it, it, it is torture. And I sat there and I thought, I don't know what's worth, worth not having children and having, you know, monthly periods my entire life and then culminating in this horrible, horrible, um, I don't even know what the word for it would be, but just a kick in the teeth from Mother Nature or – to have had children, worked your whole life supporting your family and getting your kids, you know, safe and off into the world, and finally at you know forty eight or fifty three or whatever age you are, you've got a bit of time to yourself, and then Mother Nature just socks you with menopause after all of that. <laughs> You're so right. There is there's, there's no good there's no good option. No, there's no good option. And you know what's worse is listening to menopausal women say, oh, I embraced my menopause and my life just took a turn for the better. And, and I'm like, yeah, look, that's great. But clearly you had no symptoms <laughs> because it's not something that you can think your way through. You know, you, you need to take steps.
0: Okay, so tell us about the steps that you took that you found helpful. How
1: did you dig your way out of this? Okay, I didn't, basically. I didn't. Um, I'd finished off telling you about this meetup that I organized and I had seven, eight women that were coming. Nobody turned up. No one turned up. So I sat there at the cafe by myself. But there was a a group of teachers at the – nurses, sorry, at the table next to me and they wanted to know why I was by myself and I told them and they said, oh, my God, we have so many women who need something like this. Can you make up posters and bring them to the hospital and we'll stick them up for you? Get on Facebook. Get a group together because women do need this support. I haven't done that yet um, but maybe I would do that in the future. But, yeah, so nothing really worked for me. Although I didn't – I did look towards um, using um, fake fake hormones, synthetic hormones, and there's also some um, bioidentical hormones that you can get through specialised doctors. If you Google bioidentical hormones, there might be a doctor in your area that specialises in um, – manufacturing hormones that are similar to your personal system so that might help but i didn't need to go down that road because i was sitting outside on my phone thinking i need to i'm missing something something needs to happen it it can't go on like this i can't go on like this my phone went ping it was an email from animals australia I opened it up. I'm, a, I'm an animal lover. I opened it up. And when I opened it up, a flag, a Google flag came up and it said, Take the 22 day vegan challenge. And I was like, Okay, <laughs> 22 day vegan challenge. That's something I haven't done for a while. Wow. Um, let's try that. Yay. And <laughs> <laughs> so, about uh, I run a little Airbnb at the front of my place as well. And about five minutes later, the doorbell rang, and it was my new guest. And uh, I was chatting to him while he was unpacking his bags of all of this uh, uh, supplements. And I said, "What's all that you're unpacking?" And he said, "Well, I'm a I'm a raw vegan," and I'm like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> "Just about to take the twenty two day challenge." And um, so I did this. It's, um, it's called the twenty 22- two plus challenge it was started by a bunch of israelis it's worldwide it's a free um, vegan support network on facebook it's free to sign up it's all it's totally free and what happens is um, that so many people are joining it you might have to wait a couple of weeks until your group comes up and it becomes active and there's volunteer mentors all around the world that spend their valuable time helping you directly transition to a, a vegan diet. So it's a 22-day challenge, meaning that after 21 days your diet should become habit and then it, just a, a plus day. But their idea is to encourage long-term vegans, yes. lifelong vegans. Yes,
0: Wow. I haven't done that challenge because I was vegan before I ever heard of that challenge, but everyone raves about it. I think it sounds like it's great for everyone.
1: Oh, it's fantastic. What, fantastic. A, what
0: a wonderful thing to offer everyone. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah, really good. Hats off to all the people at Challenge 22. Yay! <laughs> I've made some really good friends. I'm still in um, – that. so that was in February, or the end of February. I'm still in communication with um, a couple of the mentors – and uh, I've seriously made a lot of friends, made a lot of friends over the internet, but they're vegan friends, they're the best friends to have. <laughs> so so I took the vegan challenge, and really for me, being a vegetarian, occasional bit of fish here and there, but not much at all, usually just when I was going out to a restaurant, which wasn't too much, because you know I, I, I like cooking have a lot of dinner parties. Um, So really for me it was stopping eating a couple of eggs a month and I was only eating them to force myself, you know, eggs are good for you, have a couple of eggs. But really the main thing was a litre of milk a day. I feel ashamed of that because now I know how uh, disgusting the dairy industry is for its treatment of cows. But a litre of milk a day. So that's what stopped. And what replaced that was a litre of soy milk a day. So I changed my diet by um, really, really, this was the first time I actually knew what to eat. So what they do in Challenge 22 is um, they supply you links to all of these fantastic documentaries and fantastic reports and connect you with some fantastic people like Dr. Gregor, who runs Nutrition Facts, and Earthling Ed, who's an animal activist, and he's fact-based. You know, he really shows what goes on in the animal industry. So that teaches, taught me where food comes from, where our idea of food comes from. Absolutely. He's wonderful. And um, Colleen Patrick-Goudreau, who I, I actually came out as a vegan a third of the way through this um, talk that's on YouTube called From Excusitarian to Vegan where um, it's just a relaxed talk that she gives. A third of the way through, I mean, she just makes so much sense, you know, about what's the point of eating animal animal proteins and animal fats when we just flavour, we flavour everything with plants. I mean, it's, we use animals as the middlemen between plants and our stomachs. So you know, there's really no point. And and suddenly I woke up, and I'm going to swear now, but I woke up and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm vegan. What the fuck am I going to eat now?" <laughs> <laughs> We've all thought that. <laughs>
0: Well, everyone who wasn't always vegan, I definitely remember thinking, what the fuck, I like cake (laughs) so much. (laughs) what the
1: fuck (laughs) yeah it's tricky you do have to negotiate you have to know what you're doing but Mm. you just ask you think oh so you you just get on your facebook challenge 22 i'm total vegan um maybe i have these health issues and they say okay we'll get one of our dietitians to answer you and the dietitian comes online and specifically gives you some advice of some vegan dietary advice so it's absolutely fantastic excellent really really love that Um, And so what did you notice? So what I noticed was it was easier than I thought it was going to be and I just became really creative in the kitchen. One of the challenges, they set you a daily challenge. That's why it's called the the vegan challenge. So the challenge might be, you know, make a, a, a dish that you've never made out of legumes or go shopping and find the best plant-based milk that you can find that, you know, is really going to um, do it for your coffees and your cereals and all these little challenges. One of them was host a dinner party challenge. So I invited uh, a vegetarian and two meat-eating friends to a vegan dinner party, and it was just fantastic. So it uh, really... Um, It confirmed to me that you don't have to be a pariah to be a vegan, you know. People love eating and they don't care if they're eating a veggie sausage or, you know, whatever. They really enjoyed their vegan meal so that became – I have them monthly now. But three weeks into starting being a vegan – so I actually started a week or so before the challenge started. So I was midway through the challenge – and I realized that my symptoms of menopause had gone. Completely gone. Same. Wow. Three weeks. Three so, what weeks. happened was, I was sleeping. I had like three nights of eight, eight and a half hours sleep. And then I realized, oh my God, I haven't cried in a month. I realized. I feel calm and I'm happy. Every single symptom that I had experienced was gone. And I thought, how can this be? So so I did a little bit of research and and it was because I had drunk so much milk and replaced that with a litre of soy milk that I was replenishing my body with phytoestrogens from the soy. And my body was going, woohoo, estrogen again. And I felt like I was back to my normal self. And that was the biggest thing. I felt like I was me again after a good 12 months, more than 12 months. I was me again for the first time. Yeah. So then I was like, whoa, soy, it's the bee's knees. A lot of controversy about soy. A lot of people saying forget the controversy, it's all made up. Um, do your own research but you know listen to the doctors who are really doing some good stuff like dr gregor with nutrition facts he goes through all of the fact-based evidence Um, so i've got this fantastic recipe from gene hale's website called phytoestrogen loaf and that's made with soy flour tofu soy milk and anything else you want to chuck in, nuts, seeds, whatever, make it into muffins or loaf or whatever, and I just scoff that. <laughs> so um, it's now been, I'm past the six month mark of being a vegan, and I, I'm starting to get a couple of little hot flushes now. So I think my body might start, be starting to say, oh, hang on, it's plant estrogen so i don't know if my story is going to change in six months time or in a year's time but i know now i'm going to go back to i'm going to go to a doctor that's just across the river and she does these um um estrogens that mimic your own body's estrogen that that's i know where to go now if i if i do have more problems but i'm getting little hot flushes maybe one a night And they are literally hot flushes. They're the hot flushes that the other people are talking about. They're a little bit of a flush, and you go, oh, you know, that's my hormones, and you go back to sleep. No biggie. So I've gone from, if I had to put um, my symptoms on a scale from one to 10, were 10, I'm experiencing about 0.2 now.
0: That is so so amazing. Really live
1: with that. That is wonderful. And how is your psoriasis? Okay, well, my psoriasis really, really improved, really improved. Um, I haven't used my um, bedroom solarium for six months. Um, you know, summer summer was here and that was great, but we had a pretty cold winter, pretty dark winter here in Tassie. It's not that bad, um, but I haven't, haven't used it. But then... I, through all my research and all my reading, I thought, hang on, I want to see how far I can take this. I've, I've experienced such a huge um, jump in my health and well-being. I'm just feeling great. I'm 50 and I'm feeling the best I have ever felt in my life. So quite frankly, I don't care if I'm invisible. I don't care if society deems me not fuckable. I'd fuck (laughs) (laughs) you. I'd fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Sorry, everyone.
1: (laughs) I've I've never felt so good and my world has just opened up. I've made new friends. I'm doing new things. I've become an activist. I've metamorphosed into veg bear. I put a, a bear onesie on and I go out down to Salamanca and, run around with a sign saying, go veg, ask me how, and I'd just rabbit on to people about about the awesome and profound and uncountable benefits of a vegan lifestyle. I love Driving it. people crazy. So I thought, how far can I take this? Maybe I'll set myself a challenge of being whole foods, plant-based, no oil for the month of September. And so I thought, okay, that's a good idea. I can do that. And then one friend said, I'll join you with that. And then another friend said, I want to join. So there's five of us now that are 20 days into our whole Foods ba- food-based challenge. And I'm not making this up. I can show you, Corinne. I'll show you. <laughs> show me. Show, I'll show you my shins, right? So you, normally I would have psoriasis thick down my shin and this is no cream. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing there. There's a little bit on my tummy. Oh yeah. A tiny a, bit on your tummy. A tiny bit. Um that's nothing. Like I've no creams, no sun. And that's that's so I'm twenty days in. Twenty days. And so before the twenty days, how was it? Um look, it, it was livable, I'm you know, I don't what, did, what did
0: your shin look like before you started the whole food, plant based, no oil challenge?
1: Well, right down the top of my shin, right where your bone is, yeah. that would just be a chain of psoriasis sores. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That hardly ever went, but but I still use diprosome ointment behind my earlobes. Doesn't get any sun, and right near the bone, it was always where the skin was closest yeah. to the bone, and. I haven't put any ointment on there for two weeks because it's clearing up. It's clear, clearing up of its own accord. Wow. So, so so, I think that was cutting out bread. I mean, there's so much sugar in everything, and I think it was the sugar. I was I wasn't adding any sugar. I gave up sugar 18 months ago, but it was the hidden sugars in bread and yogurt and what else have I cut out? It wasn't too, or oil, so I cut out all processed foods and oil, so no plant spreads, no bread. Um, I'm making my own flatbreads out of um, quinoa or red lentils. Um, Yeah, so this is 20 days, no headaches. I love it. I'm so happy for you. No menopause symptoms, got
0: your life back, no psoriasis. No drugs. No No drugs. drugs. Oh, wow, what a journey. I'm so glad that you did do a deep dive for us into how it was because it really paints, you know, you're so happy at the end after all you've been through.
1: It's incredible. It really is incredible. And do you, can I tell you one more little story? Sure, okay, go. This is what I'm really proud of. And it, so many people are saying, Kim, I'm so proud of you. And that's really nice of them. But what I'm really proud of is my 83-year-old mother just came back from the doctors after having a slew of blood tests and her doctor said, you're on your way to being diabetic. Mm. There's a little. There's a room that houses most of the adult population, and they're just about to go through the door into diabetes. And she's one of them, and she knows it. The doctor said to her, "So I want you to go and see a dietitian." And she said, "No, my daughter's a vegan, and she knows all about nutrition, so she can write me up a meal plan." Yay! So to have my my mum, who you know. I sort of felt that I've been the bit of the the widow of the family, you know, the hippie chick that was running around overseas and still smoking and becoming a vegan and getting a vegan tattoo. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but she actually trusts me and my because she can see it, she can hear it, she can see it.
0: Yeah, wow. And
1: she, you know, my family just going Kim's onto something, so um, it's just. There's no better way to advertise something than to live it and to show it. So maybe I don't even need to say anything about veganism. If people say, you're looking great, Kim, what have you done? Cut out animal products, sugar, oil, bread, but, you know, eating eating well for the first time in my life. I know what to eat. I know how to prepare it. I know it's good for me and I can eat as much of it as I like. I've lost two kilos, so I'm ba- bang on 55 kilos, which is a perfect weight for me. Um, and, you know, no drugs.
0: Uh, ah! So for people who are listening who are living with menopause or psoriasis and who are thinking, wow, I – want to start, Where, what are your three, three tips for people who are listening who are wanting to try out this lifestyle?
1: Go on Challenge 22. Okay. Google it and, and Facebook. And if you're not on Facebook, get on it just to go on Challenge 22. It is absolutely fantastic. I They do encourage people to just become a vegan and there's a lot of junk food around that's vegan junk food. You can have a crappy vegan diet just as you know, easily as you can have a crappy meat-eating diet, but um, you know, if you've got any, just just type in and say, "Look, I want to have a healthy vegan lifestyle. Um, what things should I avoid?" And they'll they'll tell you the truth. You know, any really anything in a packet really is that's you look look on the nutritional panel on the back of each product, and if you there's a lot of things on it that you don't know what they mean. That means that the food is processed. So if you can find that in its least processed form, for example, if you love pasta and look at the back and you think, well, I don't know what those things are, you can get pasta that's just made out of soybeans and water or mung beans and lentils and water. That's going to be good for you. The other stuff is not going to be as good for you. So that would be my number one is, look, I, I am absolutely convinced vegan lifestyle is the way to go. Um it's animal uh, fats have been directly linked to the all of the top fifteen killers in the world today, directly linked. And there are so many success stories, like you know on your show. Um, there's a a few facebook pages around that cover whole foods plant-based diet just join that and just look at the success stories people are losing dozens dozens of kilos they're posting photos of themselves as blobs um you know slouching in a deck chair and then there they are standing and they're ripped. And tanned and ten years younger. It's amazing. One woman went back to her um, opt- optometrist, and she doesn't need to wear glasses anymore. No, you it's know, amazing.
0: bizarre.
1: It's amazing.
0: Bizarre. So that so, is yes, you've that said be... challenge twenty two. Yep. And you've said social media community.
1: Yep. And yep. what was the
0: third one? Success S- stories.
1: Success stories. Uh, or, or tips, tips, yeah, success stories. Tips would be I reckon go and get yourself a blood test, a full blood test, tell your doctor you're worried about, you know, make some stuff up. Just get a full <laughs> <as> full blood <laughs> test yep. as you can and then do a challenge and then after that month go back, have another blood test yeah. and then you, there's the proof of the pudding. So, so my last experience with my doctor was sitting in front of her She was literally shaking her head and said she was going down the list of all my results saying spot on, spot on, spot on, iron, spot on, which is amazing because she thought I had something chronically wrong because my iron was all over the place as a vegetarian but it's spot on. She could not believe her eyes and she said, how have you done this?
0: Vegan. VN. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. I was want to stop there because I liked it vegan.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you so Thank you much.
1: Me. Thank you for having me. Good luck, everyone. And thanks for making me your one year anniversary guest. It was oh, great.
0: You're welcome. You're
1: welcome. Thanks for listening to me.
0: Thank you so much, Kim. That was such a uh, big, big journey. I, I, I feel so. so I apologise to my mum in just now <laughs> for what she went through and how. Oh, I was an adolescent and completely unsupportive at the time. And I know so many women whose families are unsupportive, and it's just sucks now that I've listened to Kim's story to think that there's so many women who feel so alone in this and who are having really severe symptoms of menopause I found it a real eye-opener for myself so thank you so much Kim for sharing this story and I hope that many many women benefit from your message today and from what you have been through I learned so much. Thank you very much. Thank you all for listening to episode 52, a whole year's worth of beautiful, amazing, inspiring recovery stories from amazing guests that have come on this show and shared their darkest moments and their greatest, highest achievements in health and are feeling so amazing. And I loved every doctor, every guest, every every person who's come on this show, who's shared the powers of a low-fat, whole-food, pa- plant-based diet. It's just blown my mind. <laughs> I just can't, can't believe it. I can't believe it. So thank you all for sharing, who's subs- everyone who's subscribed, everyone who has left a kind review over at iTunes or Stitcher app or anyone who has left a kind review over at the When Life Gives Your Lemons Go Vegan Facebook page. You know, your five-star ratings, all of those things, they help so much. They help spread these messages of hope. Everyone who's subscribed to the Corinne Ninja YouTube channel with the first 22 episodes there, but I am, I promise I will start putting more up. I just have to go to the library to do it because our internet's so slow. So it just, it's just a slow internet liberal government issue. <laughs> you can blame Malcolm Turnbull and Tony Abbott for that. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening and I'm so grateful for a year's worth of guests and content for you and I hope that you feel inspired and I hope that you share these episodes with your family and friends because you just might save a life. Thank you all. Bye. I'll see you next week.